Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I have another Husqvarna strimmer to give away, thanks to Oliver Goff, who are celebrating their 60th birthday at this time. And I'm looking for someone as well to go into the hat tomorrow to win the Husqvarna Automore Model 450X worth 5,000 euro. You know the drill at this stage. I'll give you some clues as to a garden weed and you have to guess. Have a good one for you today, I promise. Anyway, that's coming up in a wee while on the show, but we return to something that makes my blood boil. And when I saw the photographs earlier today, I said, got to talk about this on the show. Dumping, illegal dumping, folks, but by God, have a look at LMFM's Facebook page and our Twitter feed. Go and look at them. Just look at the pictures there and you will understand what we're talking about here this afternoon. I'm joined and I'm going to talk to him in a moment by Councillor Peter Smith. But first, Suzanne Collins, a local photographer, a well-known woman who uh, posted these pictures and uh, came to us with the story today. Suzanne, good to talk to you. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Well, I'm fine, but, but my God Almighty, I am so sorry that you came across this uh, on this laneway on the north side of Drogheda earlier today. Just take us... It, it's the Dummies Lane, isn't it? The Dummies Lane, it's called. Yeah, it's just off um, the Hillerat, at the bottom of the Hillerat, and it links up to the bottom of uh, Tullyasker Hill. But it comes out at Rose Hall, so it's yeah, a small little lane. A lot of people walk on it, yes. um, with, you know, with their dogs and just a quiet and runners as well. It's just a nice little um, slip road to do a loop round the town. Yes, and it is very popular. And, and as you say, it's at the bottom of the hill of Rath. There's one end of it, and it's a lovely little walk up through a lovely rural area, which are fast disappearing, I have to say, with the developments around town. And yeah. you come out then at uh, near to the Rose Hall roundabout. Now, you were with your mother and father lives on this lane, and, and there are two other residences on the lane, yeah? Yeah, there is, yeah. Now, you were with your mum and dad, was it yesterday evening? Yeah, and then last, yeah, and then this morning, um, about half eight, I got noticed to say pictures came in. Um, my brother, he comes in and texts, puts the bins out and stuff. And today's bin day, by the way, in our lane, like, and uh, yeah, and he got blocked going to work. Um, yeah, it's just, it was just straight across the, the lane. Now the, the lane is this is this is and let's say this with the amount of rubbish and all that was left there the lane is totally blocked it's impassable. Oh, it was impassable yeah this morning completely. I, it took actually the JCB is actually still working on it as we speak. Um, I have to say I phoned Martin in the county council Martin Riley and uh, he looks after um, the whole area of of uh, right down nearly to the docks, right down to Baltray and stuff. I was talking to him today and he came and uh, he was there at a uh, little after nine, rang him a half eight and he was kind enough to come out straight away. It's a regular spot for uh, whoever comes out and dumps. He dumps in the same kind of spot. He completely um, cuts off the lane on one side and uh, he just dumps away and then keeps driving out to the other end and uh, yeah, and we're, we're blocked then to get over. 
Now, a JCB is working for a number of hours. There's a lorry required to take away this stuff. So yeah. there is a huge amount to be cleared. Yeah, um, there's a lot of dirty nappies, a lot of um, old rubbish. Myself and Martin had a had a, a good chat about it. But the good thing is he did find evidence and, uh, for prosecution. And it was, it was actually made me day when he told me. I says, oh, that's wonderful. He has done in the past. Um, there have been a lot of dumping going over. There's a bridge on the lane and uh, Lake County Council had to actually put a grid up over the, the actual bridge so they'd stop because it, it got so bad that it was actually being washed away down through the fields, the rubbish. Mm. And uh, it was just awful. There's a lot of problems with rats as well. Mm. So, yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah. So, the evidence has been found or identities have been found in the rubbish. You seem to, without naming anybody, but you seem to be suggesting what you said there a moment ago, that there's a, a link between... Now, this isn't the first time. You sent me pictures as recently as March. Dumping happened there again. Do you think this is individuals or an individual? Look, it looks to be the same person. He dumps in the same spot. He just comes in off the lane and starts and... He, by the time he's finished, he could be over a couple of, you know, hundred meters out, dumping out maybe of a of a trailer or or a back of a van or, you know, because it, it would take a while to take. It wouldn't take one person to do this. It would take a team or two people, and it takes them a while. So if they come in and and they start at one spot and they block the lane, it would give them a chance. If somebody did come in on the lane to get away out the other end, you know. You know, you just just drive off. Mm. And when you look at what's there, do you think it's rubbish that have been picked up? You know, you could pick up names and that. Do you think it's rubbish that this individual or individuals have collected from other people or are they clearing out a particular area? What do you think from looking at what's there? What did Martin well, think? Well, March the 2nd, um, it was a load of pallets and it was quite a lot. And mm. then today it was a lot of uh, back, it was just household waste. So yeah. it looked like if it was a clear out of somebody, maybe, you know, of house. So it's hard to tell, but it looks, you know, only I wouldn't be one now to be checking people's rubbish. I mean, the last thing I want to be having to look at it on the lane. But for Martin and, and the evidence that Martin, you know, he, he comes and he, and he has to go through it all. You know, he he, uh, he said it looks like if somebody was clearing out, uh, out the back garden of a house. Yes, okay. So, yeah, so this no, is all domestic. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, he, I looked at it as well. It looked like yeah. it was there for a long time. It mm. was all rotten. It was waste. Mm. And it looked like it was gathered for a good while. Yeah. And there's a bin. There is a bin, isn't there? There's an actual there's bin dump. A wheelie, yeah, a green a wheelie bin. bin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a wheelie bin dumped there as well. Now, the, 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 this is really serious because your mother and father and your mum especially, you know, she's very vulnerable, isn't she? Ah, yeah. I mean, when they get to a certain age, you know, you need to be able to run over and check on them if there's anything goes wrong and stuff. And yeah, it has happened on a couple of occasions. I started over and I get blocked. Now, I, I can run round, but it's another, uh, nearly another two miles round to skip yes. round and go round. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and what I'm talking about, your mum, like she, medical attention if it were needed. Say there was an emergency. An ambulance was to be called and they went in that way. They wouldn't get in. Absolutely not, no. Mm. And and it has happened that it's not just, you know, and that's what, on different occasions that they blocked up the other side of the lane. You know, and and, uh, there there was more stuff blocked. But 
Yes, it's it's ongoing, mm. and it it's happened in Ireland, but it also has happened up in Barnet and there recently as well. So they they got hit up there near the reservoir. Mm. So you know, if if maybe there was somebody walking on the lane that night or you know that evening, and uh, you know maybe pushed them off to go somewhere else. But uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, yes, and the annoying part is there's an awful lot of glass in it, and. The damage glass can do when people are walking their dogs out. They don't realise, you know, it's not good for, you know, animals' feet and stuff. It's certainly not. Stay there with me for a moment, folks. If you want to really have a look at what we're talking about, check out the LMFM Facebook page or Twitter feed. You'll see these pictures. It's unbelievable the amount of stuff that was dumped there. Pierre Smith, Councillor Pierre Smith uh, from the Labour Party, former chairman of the council, Mayor of Drogheda, uh, lives close by to where this dump happened today, is uh, joining us as well. Pierre, welcome to the show. Um, Look... It, it's shocking. These pictures say it all, and you hear Suzanne there and the worries for a family, etc. How do you, you know, tackle this, Peter? What's the answer? Well, thanks, Joey, for having us on. I mean, look, to be honest, I've never seen anything as bad as what uh, Suzanne showed me there this morning. It's unbelievable, is the only way to describe it. Mm. Uh, a very deliberate uh, attempt to actually get rid of rubbish in a legal way. It's a big problem, and it's a very big problem in the, in the town. So, for example, just in the last month, You've had illegal dumping on the Dublin Road, Bessexwell Lane, Ballsgrove, Bottle Bank, Barrick Hills, Boyce Court, Mel, Money Moor, Mullen, Patrick Street, Mount St. Oliver, Cod Road, Pierce Park, Scholes' Lane. And the council are investigating every, each and every one of those. Mm. But they've only got evidence on one of those cases that I'm after giving you uh, examples of, of where they're going to go for prosecution. Uh, the rest, the majority of them have turned up no evidence, and there's three ongoing cases there. So it is a significant problem. It's a very costly problem, too, because uh, all of the people who pay their property tax uh, are paying for that that rubbish to be cleared up. And the cost that the council pay towards the clearing up of the rubbish in Drogheda alone every year is over, and cleaning the streets now as well, is over nearly a million euros. So this is a significant problem, and mm. it's, a very on, it's an ongoing problem. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be other than getting the evidence of somebody uh, illegally dumping, there doesn't seem to be a solution to it. And P.O., you know, there are fines, of course there are. And uh, I spoke to Martin myself this morning, Martin Riley, the little warden for uh, Louth, and he, he says he's, th- there are prosecutions ongoing and evidence have been picked up. And where it is uh, secured, uh, the council will bring the law to bear in this. Are the fines a deterrent enough? Uh, well, I look... Uh, I think we just have to look at that again, and maybe if there's, if there's bylaws that need tweaking in regards to that, uh, uh, they need to be tweaked. Because, yes, people feel that they can go ahead and do this type of behaviour and get away with it. Like just up the road from where Suzanne is talking about, just at the bridge there, I've seen people dump, they haven't seen them actually, and I've seen the consequences of what their actions were, dumping on either side into the ditches. And the problem also for us is this, when we get a, na- a national audit in terms of the tidy towns competition, they normally pick outlying areas from the town. Mm. And if they pick up on anything, like particularly what was done there this morning, our rate drops right down to the very bottom, right down to the very bottom. So that's the implications it has for the town in general. So, you know, not only is it affecting individuals, like in this case, and, and, and which is terrible in itself, 
it's affecting the whole community, you know, and it's... Uh, what, it's a, what about CCTV? I have listeners on to me here already that the messages are coming in. They're looking at, the, they see what you saw, those pictures on our LMFM Facebook and Twitter feeds as well, and they are shocking. This is one of the worst cases I've seen. That's why we're chatting about it today. CCTV. Mm. Okay, I'll give you an example. On a certain estate in the town three years ago, uh, an individual contacted me to say that they had that somebody had dumped uh, thirty bags of rubbish onto a very busy road near the town centre, right? And they had CCTV. I looked at the CCTV, and the uh, now that was just coming from their own front door. But this individual who was doing the dumping had their face covered. It was done at two o'clock in the morning, pitch dark, except for the streetlights. Mm. So the point I'm making is that we have to be able to identify the individuals who are doing this in order for the CCTV to be effective, number one. And number two, the other problem with CCTV is that we can't get it in all the areas that we need to get it, you know, because yes. the money just isn't there. And the third, third problem is then the image rights. So, you know, a lot of the issues of the, with the council in the last five years was who owns the image rights? Image rights. Is it the council or is it national government or is it in Gardaí Corner? Uh, and that's only been sorted out recently. And uh, sorting out it needed, and it, that is a, a positive mood. Um, I just want to point out something uh, as well to listeners today, and this is very important. If you as an, a household or an individual uh, give somebody or engage somebody to take rubbish away from you and pay them, even in good faith, and that person goes and illegally dumps, this is a, a fact, Pio, isn't it? You are also responsible. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very important. Very, very important for everyone to take on board here. It doesn't. You're not exonerated if somebody does something illegal with the rubbish. You are part and parcel of it. Then at that stage, and that is really, really important to remember. Um, Absolutely. You know this lane, the Dummies Lane, as it's known, linking from the Rose Hall roundabout across to the bottom of the hill right there. It's a lovely old lane. I I know it so well because I spent my childhood around that area. But um, it's constantly been hit, Peel. is it worth, you know, stakeout? Well, yeah. You see, the other thing too that from, I'm only speaking now from a council perspective here. The, the other thing that we have got is personnel. We don't have the personnel to cover the county, particularly in the rural areas or, 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 or the outlying mm. areas of the town. That's that's the issue, you know. Uh, you know, even getting it cleared can. And it's, in fairness, there's a, there's a fast moving operation in, in place today. But another in other cases. Depending on the quantity of illegal dumping around the town, it can take up to a week or two weeks to get stuff done with the best intentions, you know. Mm. I, I mean, it, it's vigilance, yes, vigilance on behalf of all of us. Because uh, there is a responsibility on all of us keep, to keep a lookout for this and report it. Yes. And if we know anybody that's doing it, just to report it. Because it's having a kickback, as you said, a negative kickback on, on everyone in town, both in, from a cost perspective and then yes. from a rating perspective in terms mm. of, you know, visitors coming to our town. So mm. I, we need to look at. And in fairness, the council have set up a special committee uh, within Low County Council, liaising with businesses in the town and uh, and some neighbourhoods. So maybe we might be able to get the uh, the Hill of Rat area included in this. Yes. Uh, given the fact that it's, it's a consistent and a significant mm. problem, you know. It's a targeted. Suzanne, just go back to me a moment. You and I have been talking this morning and, and you had have a, a thought around this, uh, you know, that it, would it be a runner that if there were some place that people could go out of hours to dump rubbish, you know, an official spot. Give me your thoughts on that, Suzanne. 
Uh, well, I, I often talk to Martin about it and I says, you know, the amount of uh, the cost to the council that I have, you know, that they have to foot by JCB and, mm. and the, the trailer loads that I've left this morning, um, would it be better to, to open up, you know, more like um, the recycling centre, you know, to, you know, for people to, you know, expose, you know, get rid of their, their rubbish no, I just think it would be, um, even if it was one day a week or something like that, it would make a big difference. Mm, yeah, it's, it's a thought, uh, Pio, uh, like just a thought. So people are trying to put their thinking caps on here and Suzanne is at, at the forefront of this today, you know. What do you think, Pio? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I think, you know, we need to get, uh, probably think outside the box as Suzanne is doing there, you know. But when you look at the quantity of rubbish that was dumped on the dummy lane there today, you... That would have that would fill up the recycling yeah, for one go. It would, it uh, would, it would. But 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 you know that's only in that instance. But the point Suzanne is making is that there are people who come along and they just dump stuff out, out of the car, like a sofa or, or whatever it is. And maybe in those instances, uh, having out of hours times or special times where people can come and and, and dump stuff like that, that may have a, a positive impact then in, in regards to what we're trying to do here, which is which is reduce the instance of illegal dumping. Yeah, and uh, look, I think vigilance has been mentioned there. If you see anything untoward, if you take a number from a vehicle, if you think there's anything, any little bit of information can help to actually uh, corner these people who are just destroying uh, the lovely countryside we have for everybody and our towns, of course, as well. Have to leave it there today. Suzanne Collins, thank you so much for joining me. I wish you well. I hope uh, this doesn't happen again. I wish and I'm praying that it doesn't. I really do. And uh, Councillor Pierre Smith, thank you too for joining me on the show. Thanks a million, folks. Thanks, sir. Take care now. Bye-bye. I'm delighted to welcome my next guest back to the show. And he's just after reminding me before we came on that it's six years ago since we last met. Oh, my God. Tempest Fugit. He's a brilliant television and film director, writer and producer. Hello again to Eamon Morris. Great to see you. Hi, Jerry. How's it going? It's going really well. Thanks for popping in to us on the show. Well, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since you and I last sat here and chat a little bit for sure. But look, let's get straight to the point because we want to tell listeners that today you have a brand new teen comedy drama starting on TJ Carr. Tell them about it. Yeah, at 5pm today, Sail Ella airs for the first time. Uh, it's a teen drama for from 8 to 14 year olds and hopefully everybody really. There's loads of jokes and things in it for everybody. Also, it's about a girl who's just finished her first year in school. She's looking forward to having one of the best summers of her life. She wants to start a rock band with her friends and then her whole life is turned upside down when her dad takes in Irish college students for the first time and now she has to share her house with uh, nine teenage girls. <laughs> And uh, deal with the chaos that comes with that. (laughs) You can only imagine, you know, the best laid plans are suddenly turned on their heads. And, you know, the irony, Eamon, is that just in the last, what, 24 hours or so, we've been talking about it here on the show, the ban on tea scarcity has come up in the news. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. I was I was I'd heard some things anecdotally last year when chatting to Ballantees, but I had no idea that there was a thirty percent reduction. I was really shocked and I was a Gwelgorn myself. I stayed with Ballantees and Ross Muck and Rakarn with Klaus Naveen and it really had a huge impact on my life and I really hope that they they figure out how to deal mm. with this because Irish College and hopefully you'll see in Silala as well, Irish College is a really, really fun time for young people and a really great place to learn Gwelga. It's where I think I would have, you know, 
gotten a certain amount of fluency in Australia mm. uh, from my time speaking it for three weeks continuously. You've sent me on uh, advanced publicity clips from uh, the show itself. I have to ask you, when did you shoot this? Because the <laughs> weather, it's like continental Europe at the height of summer. When was it? We, we shot it around Spiddle in June and July of last year. And the weather gods blessed us because we got, because I'd say about 60% to 70% of the show is set outdoors. And there's a lot of scenes in it that you can't really cover with using weather cover in a kitchen, you know. Yeah. And I wouldn't have looked the same. Like, it was a massive thing for me and for our producers down in media as well that I want really want to showcase how beautiful Connemara is and my memories of being out in Rossmuck as well so like the houses that we filmed at um, Ella's house is right down beside the the ocean so mm. like uh, yeah we Definitely, there was a deliberate attempt to pick the be- most beautiful locations we could find. But yeah, as you said, the weather was amazing. Yeah, What a nad for the area. Tourism <laughs> Ireland will be chasing you down to uh, put this out there and let people have a look at it. The lead actress in this, you're familiar with her from yeah. your other roles. Her name is Kira Cox. She's a really talented uh, young actor from Spiddle. She's been on Rostaroon, f- I think since she was about nine years old. Um, she plays the character of Maeve, who's Katrina's daughter. And I had directed her when she was younger. Um, but she really stood out uh, when we, we did workshops when, uh, with kids around, from around the country, teenagers. And she really stood out during those workshops. And I was really impressed with her dedication to the role like because um, she is in 70% of the scenes in the show and also she spent about two months practicing guitar with myself uh, um, to learn how to convincingly play on camera and she also sings the theme song she'd played a bit of guitar before but I wanted to get it to that level that it looked like she could convincingly front a band and hopefully we achieved that well she does I have to say well done to her and it just shows you you know the commitment that these people have you know when you present a role to them you ask them to do something by god do they uh, step up up to the mark you've directed you know all ages and all manners of experienced actors younger actors and all in between what was it like you know with this teenage brigade do you know it's funny like we shot for six weeks and it was a very intense experience it always is with filming there's Mm. i've never worked on anything that hasn't been intense in that sense I'm working with young people like our youngest was eight, uh, Liam, who play, or Rourke, who plays Liam mm. in the show. And I think our oldest was probably 16, 17. Yes. And they really brought a levity to the set. Like, the, you know, there was always a point at each day when Rourke, Liam, like the little brother of Ella in the show, would appear by my side and he'd say, Kei you know, how's it going? And I always, it always like boosted my spirits, you know. So in a sense, like you would, think that it would have been like oh moody teenagers they don't want to do this and they don't want to do that but I found it was like the exact opposite of that they were just I think they had a meta experience the teenagers themselves because Mm. we would like the Gwelgory actors would have come from Dublin and Carlow and from around the country so they stayed with Ban on Tees while we were filming so they were experiencing a Irish college experience and also the local actors, the local teenagers they would have been mixing with, it really was a kind of like a micro Gweltuk experience yeah, for them. Yeah, so it? I think they, like there was a lot of tears in the last week uh, from the teenagers uh, yeah for sure. When yeah, it but, finished, yeah. yeah of course they built up uh, bonds and friendships but you're right, it nearly was like it happening in, in, in real life with the combination of, of all. Um 
it airs it airs for six weeks today TG Car episode one five o'clock is it yeah and then five. it's going to go up on the player tomorrow as oh, well oh yeah yeah so you, we're, we're you, on Instagram on TikTok too and Facebook across and the board there you can watch it you're very proud of this aren't you I'm really passionate about yeah. the show yeah I like there's two things about it Elle is big into 90s music I was 13 when What's the Story More Than Glory by Oasis came out that's like probably what inspired me to pick up a guitar and then I was a Gwelgor too and my my family kept French and German students so there was a lot about this show that spoke to me and I'm really grateful for having had the opportunity to direct us now Ross Naroon Fair City all on your CV as well well established shows really like the big ones here here in Ireland and Ross Naroon it's amazing a, a really dedicated following yeah it does mm. yeah and you can see it on social media as well they have like followers uh, and viewers from all over the world yeah. Um, it's been running for I think 27 mm, seasons now remarkable so, yeah and like some of the same characters are in it from that time so people have grown up with Ross Naroon um, you know the actors certainly have uh, as, and I think their viewership like very very loyal yeah yeah. like I, I remember being at a party once and I think the things I mentioned what I did and what the people were most interested in was was that I wor- had worked on Ross Maroon. Mm. And the, the the subtitles actually, you know, some people can't take the subtitles personally. It never bothers me. You know what I mean? I'll watch watch anything and I've watched foreign movies and programmes as well, subtitled and that as well. It makes, it's no barrier. Yeah, and you have the ability to switch them on or off. Yes. And now there's Guelga subtitles too. Yeah. C. will have yes. will have subtitles as Guelga as well. So mm. you have the option of if you want to clue in your you know and practice your Irish by listening mm. and reading it. No excuses, folks. Here's a great opportunity starting at five o'clock this evening to do that. Um, you know your role uh, in particular as director and where you come in for a period, let's say, in Ross Naroon and the same with Fair City. Would you explain to me and listeners, you know, how that works, that they take, you know, you get a shot at it for a time, then somebody else takes over. How does that work? Generally speaking, on the soaps or continuous dramas, it's a five-week cycle for a director. Okay. So there's two weeks of prep, there's two weeks of filming, and there's a week of edit. So in the prep, you get the scripts, you read them, and you you break them down, you know, into their essential elements. And then you'll have meetings with the producers and the script supervisors, and sometimes the writers as well. And then you you talk about tonally what are, what are, what is this block of episodes about? So like it's often either three or four episode cycles you'll be doing or blocks they call them blocks in First City Um, and then you basically break down every single scene in the show and you do what's called camera scripting so you like you you have to so because with multi-camera live edits you have a vision mixer so they're cutting it live and then both both Fair City and Ross Rune there's a another unit so you have two different units so once you're done with your two two weeks of prep then you go into filming with one week is the studio and the other week is the outdoor uh, and in Ross Rune's case on location as well so like the lot on Fair City is different to the sets Mm. and same with Ross Rune well actually Ross Rune some of the sets are both interior and exterior the two shows have a lot in common so then once you've got those two weeks of filming done then you you spend a couple of days with an editor get and by the end of that five week period you'll have four episodes in the can. There's a lot involved. It's very very intense. It's intense. Yeah, but it's a it's a machine that's very well oiled. Yes. I was trained really well um, by 
by Stephen Butcher. He trained me direct, directly and he had done everything from EastEnders to El Dorado, you know. So I got a really great training from him and Clara Lachlan as well. And every director that mentored me um, on Rosteroon too. So... Yeah, and Fair Cities was a wonderful experience working up in Dublin. And the first time I saw the Fair City Street, now Ross Rune Street's amazing, but I guess I've been working with Ross Rune since 2007. And then I saw the new street at Fair City and I remember really like, it was a lovely feeling to be up there in Carrigstown and lovely atmosphere there. And Ross Rune are my, my family at this of point. Of course, you know? of course. Interesting, you know, that you put your stamp, you interpret, and then you put your stamp onto those number of episodes. And like, you don't, reference before or you know who's coming after you you just concentrate on that that's it you'll read what came before right. as much as you can okay but you i would never read after yes because you don't want to be influenced by what's coming sometimes you you know and sometimes a little bit of foreshadowing is good but it's better not to know too much about what's happening in mm. the in the future and i guess each director as well we can't go off and do a tarantino on it like it would have been different with Cialala because I was the only director in all six episodes and I would have discussed with our producers Shivani Gar and John Brady and Louise Richardson about how I wanted to film the show like everything about Cialala was new you know mm. so that was a different experience to yes. coming in and being part of a team of directors like I couldn't start doing flat like well you actually do you know what there is a certain amount of creative freedom with the soaps but there is also a prescribed style and it would be jarring for a viewer if they came in and the style was completely different yeah of course you know? of course of course Indeed, uh, you'd be having them all on social media and everything, uh, questioning what was going on. When you look at the other aspect of you and what you do and films that you've had wonderful success with, like Making It, Lost and Found, The Comeback, Brackenmore, you know, soaps versus movies versus, you know, Sailella. You know, do you love them all? Do they all give you a different buzz? Are they distinct in their genres? Yeah, they're they're all very different. And I guess I've seen that I've been like cutting, learning my craft of this whole time. Do you know, I feel like I'm a better, I was a better director after I did Fair City. I'm a better director after I've done Sailella, you know. So like, I... And there's not a lot of difference in how you film these shows. Like, in a sense, like an independent feature film is shot the same way as the second unit on Ross and Rune or Fair City, the exterior units. It's exactly the same process. Mm. So the di- the disciplines are the same, you know. As for my passion, like, I want to tell interesting stories and work on interesting projects. And I love the Irish language as well. So getting to work through Gaelga, I went to Scalena and Navin. Um, as a kid and that gave me a grow um, Lai and Changa so it gave me a love for the language and yeah I just want to keep doing interesting work either here or in America or in the UK or wherever I don't really mind How does that work come to you or do you go to it how does that work do people pitch to you do you go looking for stuff and then you decide yeah fancy that I'm going to do that no I don't want to do that one how does that work it, for you It's about building relationships okay. with people like generally speak, speaking when you see on jobs posts it's never listed for a director like and the, you know I've had a relationship with Siobhan Yukar and, and John Brady uh, with Animedia for I think almost 10 years now you know so and they produce or co-produce Ross and Rune as well so that I did pitch for Seelala but at the same time they knew me from before with Fair City I like it was about the body of work I'd done before because I'd done a lot of uh, Ross and Rune that I was given an opportunity to um to interview for that mm, mm. so yeah it's a it's a mixture of what you've 
don't like what your track what's your track record you know i think there's no one way to get into doing this like uh, you could be really lucky and come out of film school with a short film that like wins an oscar (laughs) you know i'm not saying Mm. i'm not saying the one that the uh, the irish guy that i'm not sure what their backgrounds are those guys but like people do get lucky in that sense that they like could win a, a festival early on and i guess my career has been a mix of those things i had been a crew member and then i started making short films and then i went out to america and then i got a chance to make an indie feature with making it then to train with ross Roon as a director and then i just been slowly building up to seal ala which is my the first drama series that i've directed myself terrific terrific are you over covid that break you had to take and yeah that was a strange one mm. um i had been living in new york uh when covid happened and i was totally coincidentally home for two weeks and the world just shut down and then i was in ireland for a year and a half um mm. after that but very fortunately fortunately for me I, there was a lot of uh work with Osteroon in fair city during that time yeah i think i directed 40 episodes in a year and a half very good yeah so i was yeah. kept busy i was every really, cloud yeah, I, look, I, I just honest, really realised how fortunate I was during that time yeah, uh, yeah. to be working. You know? But you see, you're not fortunate either, either. You're really good at what you do. In fact, you're brilliant at what you do as well. And folks, don't forget, check this wonderful show out. TG Car, five o'clock this evening. Sail Ella and on the player and across social yeah. media as well. You can watch it there. Don't leave it six years, Eamon Norris. No, no. Please, yeah. don't. Good luck to you with all you Thank do. You Great to see you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate Take it. Take care. Louise, I'm made up. I'm actually made up today now that I know. Grey hair. Yeah. Grey hair. Most people say it's to do with ageing. Yeah. Not at all. No. Not a bit of it. New York, the uh, New York Rossman School of Medicine have figured it out. It's to do with the stem cells. They get stuck as your hair ages and they lose the ability to make... Stuck that the colour doesn't come into the hair or something like that. (laughs) But they lose their ability. I'm not a scientist. They lose their ability to mature and maintain the hair colour. So it gets stuck, right? Certain stem cells, maybe this explains it to you, are able to develop into many different cell types and they have the unique ability to move between growth compartments in hair follicles. And these cells, they lose their ability to move like that with age so the hair goes grey. Whatever colour you have, that is the reason for it. OK? You lost me when you said Louise. Yeah, I lost light. myself. I lost <laughs> myself. Hold on, I'm just going to... I actually lost myself too. And Thanks for it pointing say, it out. That it's not age-related. <laughs> it's not age... I'm, well, let's just say that. They've discovered it's not age-related. And I'll just get that and go... Hold on a minute. Just hold on now. Just like get rid of that. And that's... Let's forget that ever I think the happened. stem cells must be stuck in my brain to stop me maturing. <laughs> Never mind my hair. <laughs> The Lord Almighty. Why did I even go there? Why did I did even... Did it make sense when you read it first It did, morning. funny enough, but then you're after... I don't know what you did there. You, 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 you befuddled me altogether and I just decided to abandon it. Forget it. It's nothing to do with aging anyway. If you're you're going great. Can we leave it at that? <laughs> <laughs> live radio proves it's live. Anything can happen for sure. Anyway, uh, I mentioned... Stop, stop, stop. Calm down and calm down. <laughs> You'd only get the giggling. Stop, you'll have me gone too. Louise, tell them the story uh, about the chicken in the car. <laughs> She'll kill me. She's going to kill me. She's going 
kill me. I shouldn't have said it. Telling the story about the chicken in the car going. The chicken lost the stem cells. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I, I'm very disorganised, as you know, Jerry. So um, I bought a load of stuff anyway and went shopping this stuff all over the car and I was dropping the kids off uh, to school one of the days a couple of weeks ago and I kind of got this smell in the car and thought, oh, here, the kids are after... You know, It was kind of like a funny smell, like they're after... They're after, I don't know, pouring something or letting something spill in the car. And right. I thought no more of it. Next next morning, right, come on, run and get them to school. And the two kids sat in the car and my daughter went, oh. <laughs> I says, excuse me. <laughs> she says, what is the smell? It's disgusting. And I said, it's probably yourselves. It's, you know, you spilled something in the car again. <sighs> I'm going to have to clean it. Um, just you know, pull down the windows. It'll be fine in a minute. So anyway, um, dropped them off to school and they got out, went into school, very green looking and I went home and I kind of got, right, what is going on? So Could you um, smell it? Yeah, you could. I could smell it, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I thought it was something that spilled. But it, it was, it was getting stronger and stronger. Um, and I looked everywhere, couldn't see anything and, you know, picking all the, underneath all the um, empty packets of sweets and all that on the, under the, on the floor. Um, I just noticed, you know, the back seat, when you look in the back seat, you couldn't see. But if you look under, under. the seat yeah, towards yeah. the driving, um, yeah, I'm with on you. the driving side, right under, I, I just saw something wedged <laughs> underneath and I put my hand in and it was two chicken fillets. <gasps> yeah, they were kind of grey looking. Grey? They were grey kind of, yeah, and they were humming. Absolutely humming. So, um, yeah, So what I had done, I remembered, I had gone to the shop the previous week, yeah. so the whole week, and I had bought, I think they were like two for five, you know, this yeah, kind yeah, of th- yeah. whatever, and I had obviously just thrown them in the the well of the car, the footwell and the back, and driven home and just got milk and whatever was on the footwell, but that this had actually wedged and I never thought of it. Oh, my God. And it, yeah, it was... It, that, but the thing is they were still in date <laughs> they would have killed you but they were still in date Bin Bin oh straight away even oh. the dog didn't did follow you tell, me did you tell them that you discovered what it was did you let them no, know no I made them clean the car <laughs> <laughs> you lousy no I'm joking oh. I'm joking yes did I you did tell, tell them, them. Yes. I hope you told them <laughs> I did yeah Blaming them Promise, and did. nothing to do with them, and you and your rotten <laughs> Told them chicken. After they cleaned the car. Oh, there's nothing worse. Like you know, chicken out of the fridge oh, a few yeah. days, and you know the heat, the sunshine, mm. bit of sunshine attracted to the car, the heat in the car, and then you've the, the heating in the car oh, as well. You turn it up. Oh, must have been that. And I could, oh, I could just, I could actually feel your wretch in there. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because a few moons ago, I had a similar incident. Now, it's a few moons ago. Mm. We had a little red Nissan Micra. Lovely car. Mm. Absolutely loved it. Anyway, the same as yourself, this smell started in the car, right? Mm-hmm. It was a good few years ago now. Yeah, it's a good few years okay. ago. But I'll never forget it. And we, like yourself, went looking in the car everywhere. And the smell got worse and worse. And I mean, Louise... You could not get into that car without opening every window. Mm. We got it checked out. Mechanic, we thought it was something stuck, a dead board in the mm-hmm. in the engine or... No. And you're very clean, so I'm sure the car was probably spotless. Well, anyway, we could not figure mm. out what... And it, actually, we were at the stage. This is no joking. It was that bad, the stench. It was horrendous. We said we'd actually get rid of the car. 
How are we going to get rid of it? We're just going to go to the garage and say, we want to trade the car in, get mm. another car. To somebody who has lost the ability to smell. Yes. <laughs> so you can sell it to somebody with no sense of smell. There's quite a few people around like that. I'm sure there's a market for it. But anyways, we could not find it. And we were on the point of getting rid of the car when I discovered what it was. Oh. But I'm not going to tell you. Oh, I'd, don't leave us in suspenders. No, I'm not going to tell you. I want... I want listeners to guess what was it in my car what would you think was in the car that caught and we couldn't locate it but eventually I did locate it okay. what was in my car and you can't give anything anything further no you can't say whether it was in the car or in the boot it was in the car in the, it, was in the it car. wasn't in the engine it wasn't in the boot it was similar to you in the same type of area but you know you'd think you'd see it there but you couldn't even see it what was in my car? Folks, if anyone gets this, I'm going to send you out a lovely prize. If anyone gets this, what was in my car? And how long was it in your car at this stage? Jesus, will I tell you? Do you think? Well, like, you know what it is and you know, but you know the whole, when you're going to tell us, but roughly how long had it been in your car at this stage? It started to smell virtually within 48 hours of being there. Okay. Right, the smell started. Mm. It was, I can remember it well, I think it was when we finally got it, it was it was nearly 10 days. Oh my God, oh. why when I think of it? No one would get into the car, no one would drive it, we had to drive it. Windows open everywhere. What, can anyone guess what was in my car causing the stink? 086-1800-658. You know the WhatsApp or text numbers? What do you think caught... You won't believe what was in the car. Well, you you will understand when I tell you what was in the car. Think about me and the things I do and the pastimes I have. Nettles. What was in... (laughs) Don't go down that road. They're going to kill me for that clue today. There's somebody says, milk, Cherry. Was it milk? Was it, you know, nine, ten days? It wasn't milk. Thank you. If you get this, if anyone gets this, I'm going to send you a lovely prize. You'll enjoy it, I promise you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. What was in my little red Nissan Micra that nearly forced us to get rid of the car entirely? Mary wouldn't go near it. The children didn't... They were small at the time. No one went near it. Oh, somebody close. There's somebody close. Yeah, I need specifics. You need to be specific. A generalisation about what was in my car. I may have to give it to somebody here. Specifically, what was it causing the stink in my oh, car? Oh, you want to the right? Okay, the, exactly not, what it was. Yeah. Not a generic term yeah. for what it was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What was it that caused the stink in my car? Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by WhatsApp or text. They're flying in at the minute. I'm coming back to it in a moment. Oh my God, you're fantastic people. I really do love you and the. The amount of people who've come back with suggestions as to, if you're just joining us, Louise was telling us about the stinky chicken in her car and she blamed the poor children and all they did as well. And then I went on, of course, an anecdote to tell you that we had a red micro many moons ago and we almost actually got rid of the car because of the... Actually, Miriam said to me she thought the car was cursed. You know, we we honestly thought there was something. (laughs) But that is the truth. Because nobody could find out what the... Blinking smell was. It was horrendous. Ten days. Okay, so let me tell you what happened. Well, it I wasn't your socks. Beg your pardon. Because I can smell them from here. I shower <laughs> once a week. What are you talking exactly. about? <laughs> I'm only joking. Don't. I don't. I was in the shower. Put your socks on. I was in the shower. This, <laughs> I was in the shower this morning. Will you stop? Anyway, so what happened was this. Will I tell them? Will I tell them what yes. happened? Okay. Now I have to say, 
I want to be specific, and there's a generic term you're all using that's right, but it's not specific. Okay? But they do know you. They do know me. Mm-hmm. And I, I did mention hobbies. Anyway, some of the suggestions that you have sent to us is fished, a generic term. Maggots, which are the little white channelers, that they call them as well, that exist on rotten meat and they're used for fishing as well. Maggots. Peel or crabs. Was it prawns, Jerry? Was there a dead rat in your car? What about worms, Jerry? No, worms don't smell, actually. Cheese that's gone off. Spilt milk again. Dog poo. Mm-hmm. Mackerel, in specifically. Mackerel. Salmon. Was it rotten eggs, Jerry? Fruit. My God, the range of suggestions. <laughs> it's never ending. I'm only picking out some of them there. Anyway, what happened was, I was pike fishing on this Sunday. And we were on a lake that wasn't fishing well so we decided to up sticks after a few hours and move to another lake so everybody bailed into the cars you understand Mm -hmm. so I had one in the front of me and three in the back packed in with their fishing rods broken down and their bags and bait show was packed in my car and we all got out and we went fishing and we the second lake fished well and we had a great day and sure I drove home and that was it took all my gear out of the car nothing else there was nothing in the car you're right there was nothing in the car but this smell started. Oh, geez, this smell started. I'm not joking you. Anyway, we high and low engines, everything. Eventually, we went under, you know, we looked under the seats, took up the carpets, everything. And coming on day 10, I don't know what possessed me. I got back into the back of the car again, Louise, and I put me, I put me uh, ha- hand up under the driver's seat, right Okay. And Louise, the next thing, I just felt this conglomeration of, pull me hand out. Ugh. Oh, my God. It was there. The thing that I'm talking about was there. And it was a fish. But, folks, what kind of fish was it? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Let me know. What ki- Can anyone identify the fish was there for 10 days? And it had been frozen. You know, you have baits okay. for pike fishing. You can buy frozen baits. Mackerel have been one of them and others as well. And, and it was a mess by the time you took it. It was caught with two treble hooks in the rotten fish, you oh. see. Caught up under the seat. You know, the hooks were caught up. That's why no one could see it or anything. It was just a rotten fish <laughs> impaled with treble hooks up under the front seat of the car, stinking the place oh. out of it. What kind of fish was it? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Come on, somebody must name the fish. First to name it, I'll give the prize to this afternoon. Begs another question though, doesn't it? Yeah. Many fishermen can he fit in a micro? <laughs> <laughs> five. Five. Yeah, there was five in that micro that day, so there was. But that is the truth. That's what happened. That is what happened in the car. And you were allowed to go fishing again after that? Of course I was. <laughs> of course I was. Once we solved the owl situation, somebody saying, was it a pike? It wasn't a pike. It was a bait for a pike. It wasn't a trout. They're coming in there fast. Mm, let me see. <laughs> Sardine. Oh, you're getting close. Yes. Somebody I have it. it. Uh, somebody has it. For, and well done to you. Bernie Legan in Killanny. You're the one. It was a herring. <laughs> it was a rotten herring from the freezer and it nearly... Ended my relationship with the little red micro. There you are. Well done to you all. Bernie, I'll be in touch. I have to muster up something for you now. You're great. Well done to you. It was a rotten herring. There you go.
Late lunch, LMFM radio. We're heading towards top of the hour at three in the company of Soft Cell and Tainted Love. My love was tainted, I can tell you, after that herring incident. So was the car. <laughs> Now, how did you do on the weed front today? Well, the clues were as follows. The first one was this weed has been used for medicinal purposes, a salad and herbal tea, wine and soups. Threw you off a bit, I have to say, that one. But when I read the second clue, the most recognised weed in the garden is initially seen during the early springtime with an abundance of yellow flowers. You're on your way and then I... Nailed it to the mast, as they say, when I told you that when it seeds, children and indeed adults love picking them and blowing them away. Of course, I'm talking about the dandelion. That was the answer I was looking for. And thank you so much to everybody who messaged us in by WhatsApp or text. So, so many. Anyway, you know what the prize is today. One of you is going to win a Husqvarna battery strimmer. It's worth €289. And the other is going into the hat to possibly win tomorrow on late lunch the Husqvarna Automore 450X worth €5,000. And those prizes come to us courtesy of the wonderful Oliver Goff Sales and Hire Flower Hill Navin who are celebrating their 60 years 60 years in business give them a shout they'd love to say hello to you they look after you well they're great people there they really are and they're in birthday giveaway mode so today who wins the strimmer well the strimmer today is going to Marie Sarsfield well done to you Marie that lovely strimmer is the Husqvarna strimmer is yours and in the draw for the Husqvarna Automore five grand it's worth today goes Jerry McGee Jerry you're in the hat tomorrow congratulations to you and uh, let's uh, see what tomorrow brings five names going into the hat for the big draw on late lunch round about this time late on in the show on Friday afternoon. But I still have two places up for grabs. Well, one to win another uh, strimmer, Husqvarna strimmer, and one more name to go into the hat for the more, the Husqvarna more. So that'll happen on late lunch tomorrow afternoon. So don't be disappointed. More clues tomorrow and still a chance to get in there for the win before the week end. Let's go down this road now on late lunch. Five, four, three, two... One. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number two from this week in 1991. But I have a confession to make. I've made a faux pas. Yeah, I hope you forgive me for this. Because today's number two should have been the number four in this week. <laughs> I got me twos and four mixed up. It was actually shared the Ship Ship song. That's number two. You see, there's people very checkable out there. You see, the study in the weeds and the guest meow smell in the car and everything. And I know they'll be looking up this, so I want to be absolutely honest with you. And you can rely on late lunch and myself and Louise for honesty. That's the one thing. Honesty is the best policy. So I said I'd have to tell you that a little bit of a mix up this week, but I'm sure you'll bear with me. So today's number two was actually number four in this week in 1991. And when I tell you, it was first released on the 14th of October 1985 as a 7 and 12-inch single, but it only reached number 26 on the UK singles chart. But it was re-released as a single, again 7, 12-inch, and cassette, cassette, what's a cassette, and CD in March 1991 and was included in the band's compilation album, 
the best of the water boys 81 to 90 you have it now I'm sure at this stage the re-release was a huge hit it went to number 3 on the UK singles chart but finished up 4 the week we are talking about but it's number 2 today if you can follow me there anyway it's the water boys and their classic here we go Number four, alias number two, from this week in 1991. Yes, it's the Water Boys and the Hole of the Moon, an absolute classic. And tomorrow we round off this week in 1991 with a marvellous number one. We love it on Late Lunch, but you've got to join us tomorrow to find out what that song is. Our final guest this afternoon was representing Mead at the National Mokra Mr. Personality Finals recently, and he finished third. Oh, it's a real competitive competition, this. Yes, he's a member of the Longwood Cologne branch of Mokra. Paul Gill, good afternoon. Good afternoon, how are you? I'm really good, Paul. Well, well done to you. This is a fair <laughs> achievement. You were up against stiff competition from all over the country. How did you come to represent County Mead? What did you have to do? Uh, honestly, <laughs> I'm still wondering myself, to be honest, now. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, look. Oh, it, I, it's, been, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, so... There's, uh, there's interviews every year for it in Mocker in, in each county and uh, I went for an interview before back in 2020 but uh, I don't know I like this wasn't sort of, this wasn't a thing I thought I'd be able to do so I was kind of avoiding it for a few years but uh, one, of the, one of the lads in the club was like oh, you have to go. I, I, if, like, if I go first then he has to go first sort of thing so we're like right we said we both give it a go and I don't know they, they picked me anyway so <laughs> <laughs> well they picked you for uh, reasons obviously so you had to do an interview you were picked to represent the county and off you go to the final it was down Leash was it in the Midlands it, it was actually it was in uh, Clonmel in Tipperary oh, this God, year oh even further sir. oh no yeah. in, in, the Leash boy won it didn't he he was the Leash man that ah, won it he was the Leash man that won it that's yeah, what I have in my head yeah so it was a, yeah. oh well listen Clonmel is a fine town my sister lives there Katrina <laughs> uh, and I know the town very well so what I'm about the, nice. well, it's a lovely town what, what, what did you have to do in the final um, also, I was up there last Friday, met, uh, met all of the contestants, we all just got to know each other, we went for, uh, we got we got our different goodie bags and shirts and stuff that we had to wear, got photos for the sponsors and stuff like that, then we had to get up, we had to, we got their food and we were up on stage and uh, we had to do an interview and they were just, you know, just general things to ask you a bit about yourself and uh, your involvement in mock or whatever else, and just something, something interesting that's about yourself. And uh, and then there was an option of doing a talent if you wish to do one. So uh, that was uh, and that was the Friday night. Right. So I uh, I did a I, I don't know I did, I did a bit of juggling for my talents. So, juggling, uh, <laughs> juggling. There you go. Yeah. So you can juggle, can you? Yeah. Well. I uh, well, I and I didn't get too bad. I didn't get on too bad. I, uh, you know, I got juggling balls for Christmas, right? And uh, never juggled in my life. And I said, do you know what? If I'm going to do this, I want to. I'm, I'm going to. Do, I'm going to go full out. I'm going to do one of the talents. <laughs> so I said, there's no better motivation to learn how to juggle than to put down that I am juggling and I have no choice but to learn it. So I had what's the half? 
I think I had a month and a half to learn how to juggle. How many balls are you able to keep in the air? I had the tree. I had oh, the tree. good on you. Good on you. No bother <laughs> to you. You'll be on Britain's Got Talent next, I'm sure. I I'm... don't know about that. I don't know about that. It was a one-time thing. <laughs> I'm just thinking as you describe it, it sounds like the Rose of Tralee for lads. It, it, you know what it basically is it's, is it it's basically yeah. the, it's a mark or male equivalent of the role I actually. see I see I see but fair to use to you you did your interviews you did your little number as well yeah. and uh, that was it then They had, there was a judging panel then decided who won second yeah, card was, was that it yeah yeah, there was a judging panel there on the Friday. We, we had to do, that was on a Friday night in front of an audience. We'd done all that. And on the Saturday, we had to get up in the morning. We had to do, pri- we did private interviews with the judges themselves. Right. And we went for our boot camp during that day as well, kind of just going off doing team bonding activities in front of the judges. They were just kind of with us all day, just getting to know us. And, yeah. and just, yeah. But uh, I was, it, was a, it was a long weekend, but honestly, it was one of the be- best weekends of my life. I, I actually, I, I'm actually kind of disappointed now that it's over because you can only compete in it once. And I was like, uh, I wouldn't mind doing it again. It was, it was, it was honestly, it was, honestly, it was, be, it was You'd have four balls in the air the next time instead of three with a bit more <laughs> I'll, practice. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what age are you? I'm uh, 24 for another couple of months since still. Right, I'll be so 25 later on. Good on you. Year. And what do you do for a living? I'm, uh, I'm a postman, actually. Oh, be japers. You'd be well yeah. used to juggling being a postman. <laughs> <laughs> So you would for sure. So you're about good on you. And uh, may I ask you a very personal question? Is there somebody in your life? Um. Uh, so there, at the moment, I am dating someone. Yeah, oh, there is. Good on you. There is. Good on you. So you see that you ha- listen. You have the personality. You must reflect. I know you said you were reluctant to go for it, but I, you had a great weekend. And look where you finished up as well. Top three in the country. What was your prize? Uh, I got what did I guess? I got um, I got a crystal trophy, very nice one actually. Uh, we all got kind of a, a plaque as well, just as a participation one. I think I got I think I got two hundred quid as well, and I think there's a possible mention of a, a hotel stay away for two. I'm not sure, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Lovely, I'm sure she's see. delighted with that for sure. Spending money <laughs> and 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 away in a hotel as well. So there you are. You must be the toast of the Longwood Kaloyan branch with your success. Uh, I, oh, it's, look, it's been an absolute shock to be honest. I didn't. I, did, I actually. I nearly made a fool of myself. They were calling out the the results, and I was at the back of the room. I had, didn't realise they were saying the results yet, but I didn't think they were even. I was going to finish in the top three, and I was having a chat, and they uh, they called out third. I didn't even know they were calling out the results, but then I heard. I thought I heard leash, and here was I clapping leash, congratulating the man for coming third. Not little did I know. I was insulting the man because he actually won it. Honestly. Anyway. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. Actually, it's been, these, it's been brilliant. These things happen. You, you know yourself. <laughs> and look at, would you describe yourself as an outgoing guy or is this something that has just come lately to you? You know, you, you need to be outgoing with a personality yeah. and that. Yeah? Do you know, do you know what it is? It actually is a case of like, it's been, it's more kind of a lately thing. I, well, I was back when I was in school. I was probably the shyest guy in the school. I never spoke. I was, I was there. I was there. That's about it. I never really spoke. I was like that in college as well. After I finished college as well, it was only kind of the last, co- the last two years or so. I kind of started taking on positions in the the club, a secretary, and different bits of Bob. And I started competing in competitions I never used to do before, like public speaking, things I was avoiding for years because I was just, too, I was too, I, like I just couldn't get myself to get up and do it. 
So, I don't know, I'm gradually trying to do more things to, out of my comfort zone to get myself out there. But honestly, it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me because I've gone from being, like, the shyest guy in the room to actually, you know, in, like, interacting with everyone and just absolutely loving loving social encounters now. I, I yeah, I couldn't be happier in that regard now. This is just great and well done to you and it just shows you you might be the shyest in the room but listen it doesn't always have to be like that. Congratulations to you Paul you're a great fella you really are and good luck to you in the future. Cheers, thank you. Not at all. Thanks for joining me on the thank show you, today. Really. Take care of yourself. Isn't he great? Paul Gill there uh, from Kaline, who finished third in Mr. Personality this year, representing the Royal County. He's a bit of crack, isn't he? He really is. Anyway, I'm sure he's a great postman and people enjoy him as he goes about his job every day. I'm sure I was the shyest in the class myself. I was. Louise is in there after falling off the seat. Don't be telling lies in the show. You were talking about telling the truth earlier on. I was very quiet. I was and reserved. Honestly, I'll tell you about that another day. Anyway, that's it for today on Late Lunch. Uh, have a lovely Thursday evening. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. And we'll be back tomorrow Friday with the final show of the week. Do join us. The big prize will be given away tomorrow from Oliver Goff. That more worth 5,000 euro. Husqvarna. And more besides on your late lunch. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.